Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. So a uh, quick backstory before we, we get into to the section that I'm reading. I'm hopping in to a middle of, the middle of a conversation that Jesus is having uh, with a person. This story is kind of titled, uh, Jesus and the Woman at the Well. Uh, Jesus is leaving the Galilee and headed to Jerusalem, or maybe vice versa, and uh, he is going through a place called Samaria, and he has an encounter with this woman, uh, the woman at the well. He has a a kind of longer conversation. We we just want to sit towards the end, Uh, but we're going to be talking about worship this evening. We're going to be talking about Worship, And that's what this text is about. So let's take a look. It's starting in uh, John 4, verse 19. It starts with the woman asking Jesus a question, saying this. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We, the Jews, worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet, a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Let's pray, and we'll talk about it. Lord God, I thank you so much for being here with us this evening. Lord, we recognize that your presence is here. Lord, we don't do anything, any, any of these songs or these games to try to convince you to meet with us. Lord, we recognize that you're here, and all we ask, Lord, is that we would turn our attention to you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to us. Lord, not just into our minds so we become smarter, Lord, but into our hearts and our souls so that we may live as followers of Jesus, as Christians in our community. Grow us tonight in our faith and in our understanding of you. In Jesus' name, Everyone said, amen. Um, One of my greatest fears is talking to someone that I kind of know in public. Do you guys feel the same way? Like, not someone that I know. Like, there's people that, like, I'll see. I'm probably one of these people to you. But I'll see someone, and and I'll be like, oh, my gosh, like, Finley, dude, what, what the heck is happening? Like, how are you? And then there's some people that I'll see that I'm like, is that? Who is that? I know that person. Why do I know that person? Uh, just this past week, I was in California. I was at this surf contest, this random surf contest in Huntington Beach, and there was all these, like, pop-up stores, and it was, like, this big event happening on the beach. And I am just noodling around and walk up to this store, and, and I see this guy, and I'm like, oh, I think that's my friend, like, from a couple years ago. Like, I used to, like five or six years ago was probably the last time I saw him. I'm like, I think that's him. And I'm just, like, staring and, like, I'm kind of mouthing his name, but not saying, like, I'm just like, John. <laughs> and I'm, like, not, and then I, I was standing probably, like, from here to here away from him. And just, like, gosh, man, this, and then I finally, like, built up the courage. I just poked him, and I was like, Jono? 
And he's like, what the heck? Like, you live in Florida. What the heck are you doing here? And uh, I, when, I'm, when I'm not sure of, like, the person, my biggest fear is to say something and it not be them. I cut uh, the, at, I used to work at a barber shop, and the son of my middle school PE teacher, I, I would do his hair, and he would come in with his mom, who was my PE teacher, and every time I'm like, that's my PE teacher from middle school, I just never said anything. Because, like, I'm going to say something like, oh, hey, I was your student. And she's like, uh, I don't really remember you. That was 12 years ago. I'm like, remember, like, it was first period. Like, I was hilarious. So you don't remember like, I just don't know where the conversation is going to go. Okay, uh, like, a year or two years ago, I was, like, in the middle of COVID, and uh, Julianne was pregnant, and it was, like, the only time that I ever had to, like, go to the store to get, like, pregnancy craving snacks, even though she's like, it wasn't a craving. I just said I wanted it, but I'm like, no, this is what husbands do. They go to the store late at night to get their wife what they crave, um, and so that's what I was doing. I was in 7-Eleven. I was wearing a mask. And uh, a client of mine from the barber shop, like, walks in. And we kind of make eye contact, like, oh, that's, like, in my head, I'm like, that's the client of mine from the barber shop. And, but we don't really say anything. And so then he, like, goes, he's getting whatever he was getting. I was getting sour gummy worms and chocolate milk. So that's what my wife was craving it. Um, and so I'm, like, standing in line. And then I see out of the corner of my eye, like, he kind of makes a connection, like, oh, that's my barber. And so he goes, he goes, yo, Mitch. <laughs> and I'm like, I've been called some crazy things. My name is spelled weird, C-H-E-Y-N-E. Like, people call me whatever they want, Cheyenne, Sean. Hey, is John going to be in today? Oh, no, he's standing right here. Um, and, like, people call me Dwayne. But, <laughs> but Mitch, I'm not responding to. Sorry. It was like 11 o'clock at night. I'm like in a hoodie and like shorts and a mask and getting like gummy worms and chocolate milk. I'm not responding to Mitch. So I didn't say anything. But there, there's this fear of mine that if I'm not like confident in who someone is, then like to address them like I'm, I'm really nervous to do that. Sorry, one more anecdotal story. But I, I had a call, uh, Kata, the sushi place, uh, for some guys here in the office a couple weeks ago. And Sean told me to order him something. And I'm like, there's no way that's a real thing. And he's like, yeah, it's this. And so I, I call, and I'm like, it's, I don't even remember what it was. But I'm like, ugh. And I try to pronounce it. The lady's like, what? And I'm like, that's my greatest fear. It's like, I don't think it's real, and neither do you. But when, when we aren't confident in something... Uh, we get really timid, and, and we kind of look around like, is this, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this, like, what I'm supposed to be saying? Like, am I really supposed to order that, Sean? I think it's fictitious. And, um, and so we're saying, like, is that really them? Like, I don't know if... And when we're not confident, the way that we act and the way that we do something is a lot more reserved and a lot more timid. And I think that it goes beyond awkward conversations that we have someone in a gas station or, or calling someone for food. But I, I think when, when we aren't sure of ourselves, we can't confidently do something. And I think that oftentimes we have some misunderstandings of worshiping God. And so we will be in a, in a worship service and people will be raising their hands and we're like, is this really what... I'm supposed to be doing? Like, am I supposed to sing along? When they're singing that part, but someone else is singing this part, which one am I supposed to be singing? 
And, and we kind of, we don't confidently walk into the presence of God as worshipers because sometimes we're just a little timid. We're not sure, is this really how we're supposed to worship God? Is this really what, what I'm supposed to do? Jesus is having this conversation with the woman at the well who is suffering from this, this uh, question, is this, am I doing this right? And so a little backstory of the people uh, called the Samaritans. Now, uh, a number, thousands of years ago, if you read through uh, the book of First King, First and Second Kings, First, First and Second Chronicles, uh, it records that the the Jewish people, the Israelites, they get taken captive by the Babylonians. If you read the book of Daniel. Daniel is a Jewish person or an Israelite who has been taken captive by the Babylonians and living in Babylon. But now at the same time, there was a number of Jews that were taken captive into Babylon and a number that was left in the land of Israel. I know this is really boring, but just stay with me for a little bit. So the Israelites that were taken captive by the Babylonians, they actually stayed true in their worship. They stayed true in keeping the law of Moses as well as worshiping God the way that the prophets instruct them to and the way that the Psalms and the, the, the poetry of scriptures teach them and they were awaiting the Messiah. Now, the Israelites that stayed in the land of Israel, they began to forsake the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms and they started worshiping God however they wanted to worship God. So they stopped worshiping God the way that scriptures told them to, and they began to worship God how they saw fit. So God tells the Israelites to build a temple on this mountain. And the the Samaritans, the people who are living in Israel, in the land of Israel, they actually build another temple on a mountain called Mount Gerizim. And they start worshiping God in a different way than Israel. God instructed them to worship. Are you following? But now the Israelites who were in the land, who now are called the Samaritans in the story that we're reading, uh, they said, we are the true Israelites. We are the true followers of God. We have the land. And we worship God truly. And you who were taken away... You don't worship God correctly because you're not in the land of Israel. Are you following me? Even though the Jewish people, they stayed true in the practice, even though the uh, Samaritans stayed true in the place. Okay? Now, Babylonian Empire crashes and the people are led back into the land of Israel. So now the Jewish people who were in Babylon, they come back to the land of Israel. And so there's this conflict. One people, they say, we're the true Jews. We have the land. And the other people, they say, no, we're the true Jews. We worship God properly. Okay? You're tracking with me. So it's all going to be valuable at some point. Okay? You're just like, first week of school, I thought I was done with history class. Okay. So they come together, and now there's this conflict. They really don't like each other. In fact, some people would suggest that they hated each other. And it, the, the place where the Samaritans lived was in the middle between Jerusalem and the Galilee. Jesus, he was, his ministry started in the Galilee and was kind of based in the Galilee, but he would go to Jerusalem and do ministry and he would go back and forth. So he was going 
I'm sorry, can't remember where to and where from. But he was going from Jerusalem to the Galilee or the vice versa. And he said, I need to cut through Samaria. It's kind of an important sentence because oftentimes Jewish people would actually go around Samaria to to do that journey. And Jesus says, I need to go to Samaria. The reason why Jesus needed to go to Samaria was because he needed to have the conversation with this woman at the well. Jesus was on a divine mission to go from where he was going to where he needed to be. And and he cut through the Galilee and had a a anointed, a, a, a divine conversation with this woman at the well. So it's incredibly important. Okay, we're moving along. You guys still with me? You feeling good? You woke up really early this morning, went to school, and now you're here? Praise God. So Jesus, he has asked this question from a Samaritan woman. He says, the Jews worship on that mountain. The Samaritans, we worship on this mountain. And the question that he asks, he says, which one is right? And Jesus, the legend that he is, he looks at her and he says, first, the Samaritans, they don't know what they worship. I'm going to be honest. You guys don't know what you worship. The Jews, we know what we worship. Salvation comes from the Jews. But then his answer, his true answer, is taking uh, uh, and instructing both the Jews and the Samaritans because neither of their worship was completely genuine and true. So he says, it doesn't matter about the mountains, this mountain or that mountain. What matters is that True worshipers worship in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. If you're taking notes, write that down. True worshipers worship in spirit. That's my first point. True worshipers worship in spirit. If you like message titles, my message title is help. I don't know how to worship. True worshipers worship in spirit. Now, in the Old Testament, worship was sacrifice. Worship was sacrifice. If you read the Old Testament, the first five books of the Bible, you get to Genesis, Exodus, number three, Leviticus. There's all these ceremonial things that you needed to do in order to worship God. I'm killing you guys. Just please stay with me, all right? So the way that you worship, it was sacrifice. There was all of these sacrifices that people needed to make in order to have forgiveness of sins, have right relationship with God, and worship God the proper way. They needed to sacrifice animals, they poured out drink offerings, they poured out grain offerings, and there was all of these specific things they needed to do to offer to God. Now, the main reason they they sacrificed was because the sin equals death. Okay, Romans tells us that the wages of our sin is death. The only way that we can become clean from our uncleanness that sin causes us is, is bloodshed. Okay? You're like, gosh, what is this guy talking about? Bloodshed. Now, the, the significance of the cross is that Jesus is that sacrificial lamb for us. We no longer need to make sacrifices to worship God 
Because Jesus was the sacrificial lamb in our place. We were sinners. We were, we were dirty from our sin. And the blood of Jesus washes us clean when we place faith in him. Jesus was the sacrificial lamb. But now we are still called to worship. And worship is still a sacrifice. Now, we don't worship physically the same way that the Jews would do it. We don't sacrifice animals to worship God. And that is really the question that this woman is asking. Is it this mountain or that mountain? Where do I go to worship? And Jesus' answer is true worship happens not in a place, but in a posture. True worship happens not in a place, but in a posture, and specifically a posture of your heart or a position of your heart, or a, a mindset, if you will, of your heart. It's not where you are, but it's, it's, it's where you're looking. It's not where you are, but it's where you're looking. Worship is a sacrifice, not a physical sacrifice, but a spiritual sacrifice. In 1 Peter, it says this, Peter writing, as you come to him, Jesus, the living stone, who was rejected by those but chosen by God and precious to him, you also are living stones being built into a spiritual house to a holy priesthood. And look what it says, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Spiritual sacrifices. What on earth is a spiritual sacrifice? Thank you for asking. I'm so, that was exactly the point of my message where I was going to start to explain it. Romans 12 says this. If you've come to church and heard me speak at, at any moment, I think I cite this verse in every message ever. Praise God for this verse. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies... As a living sacrifice. If you have a physical Bible, underline the word living. Holy and pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. We are called to make spiritual sacrifices to God. We don't need to sacrifice things and stuff. We sacrifice ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. So we are called to make spiritual sacrifices, and what we lay down is ourself. You following me? Is this making sense? Okay, is this helpful? Cool. So we, we offer ourselves as living sacrifices. We commit ourselves fully surrendered to God. We commit ourselves fully surrendered to God. We worship God in spirit. This verse, it goes on to say, it says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what is God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It seems kind of like a, a stark contrast between the two verses. It says, commit yourself a living sacrifice and then be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What this verse is, is saying, it says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. Do not be influenced by culture. Rather, be influenced by God. 
Don't, don't sacrifice yourself to this world, but sacrifice yourself to God. What the Apostle Paul, the author of this verse, is, is, is bringing up is not, the shocking thing is not that we sacrifice ourselves. I think a lot of us, we surrender ourselves completely to many different things. We surrender ourselves to relationships that we have. We surrender ourselves to, to the, the goals that we have. We surrender ourselves, school just started, to academics and to working. And we give ourselves completely to the things that we're involved in. And Paul says, you need to make a, a, a line and say, you're not surrendering yourself to this. You're surrendering yourself to God. You're being transformed from the inside out to God. Remember, this is a spiritual act of worship, so it's not physical. I had you underline living because we're not sacrificing ourselves. It's a living sacrifice. We sacrifice ourselves, he says, by the renewing of your mind. Theologians have categorized the mind into three different ways. It's your thoughts, your will, and your emotions. To summarize that, it's your entire inner self. That we are to open ourselves up completely to God and surrender our inner self completely to Jesus as an act of worship. So we need to, when we worship God, we open ourselves up completely to Jesus. We don't hold anything back. We surrender our relationships to Jesus. We surrender our anxious thoughts to the feet of Jesus. We surrender our ambitions to the feet of Jesus. We surrender our reputation to the feet of Jesus. We, we surrender our insecurities to the feet of Jesus. We surrender our pride to the feet of Jesus. And, and as we worship, true worshipers worship in spirit. And what that is, is complete openness and surrender to Jesus. And we, we go to God and we say, Lord, you can have all of me. I'm not holding anything back. Lord, take all of me. So when true worshipers who worship in spirit, we inwardly sacrifice ourselves. Lord, you can have all of me. And we align ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit that is forever living to glorify and honor God. You following with me? Cool. Now, I, I, I want to just make the distinction real quick. We don't worship God so that, but we worship God because of. So we don't sacrifice ourselves. Like in the Old Testament, they sacrificed so that they could receive the grace of God. We recognize Jesus is the sacrificial lamb. So when we sacrifice ourselves to God, it's not so that God would speak to us or so that God would be gracious to us. We don't sacrifice so that God would do anything. We sacrifice because of what he's done. So we live as sacrifices to God, not to earn anything, but we sacrifice ourselves to, re, to just walk in who God says that we are. We don't worship so that. We worship because of. We worship in spirit. And spirit, spiritual worship 
is sacrificing our, ourselves, complete openness to God. I'm not hiding anything from you, Lord. If you find something and I didn't know it was there, I'm sorry. Like, I, I, Lord, you, just take all, just take me, Lord. That's, that's how we worship God, in spirit. And we align ourselves with the work of the Holy Spirit and we do it in return. God gave the fullness of himself to us in the form of the Holy Spirit. So we respond in giving our full self to him. Jesus gave his life for us on the cross. So we sacrifice our life as living sacrifices. Not so that we earn him, but because of who he is and what he's done. Second point, true worshipers worship in truth. True worshipers Worship in truth. We, we join in in this spiritual relationship with God. It's not about where we are. It's not about this mountain or that mountain. It's not about if I'm at church or if I'm not at church. Uh, there's a beautiful promise in scriptures that says when two or more are gathered in, in God's name, he meets with us. And, and that is a beautiful promise. But did you know that you can also experience God's presence on your own? That you can, you can worship God and have an encounter with God on your own because we have entered into a spiritual relationship with him. So our encounters with Jesus isn't limited to the church building, but you can have an encounter with him on, in your car and in your room and at school and, and you're sitting at the desk. I made this joke on Sunday. I'm reusing it. Come on. At the desk. What are desks made out of? Is it though? I don't think it is. It's something between plastic and wood. And we can have an encounter with God there. And we enter into this spiritual relationship. And the spiritual relationship is centered around truth. I think we hear the word spiritual, and, and sometimes our minds can go a little, little weird. A little like, like spiritual. A little mystical. A little, I don't know. Like... Yeah, I'm, I, like a lot of Christians these days kind of sh shy away from the word spiritual. Myself and, and, like, I wouldn't say that I'm spiritual, you know, like I'm a Christian. Like I'm a follower of Jesus. Like, but it's because spiritual is just weird sometimes. You know what I mean? But, but we enter into this relationship. It's a spiritual relationship. I mean, it's not physical, but we are related to God in, in the spirit through the Holy Spirit. God, God is is here, but we don't see him because as Jesus said in our text, God is spirit. And so we enter into this spiritual relationship. And so we could think that spiritual relationships are kind of just whatever. Like I enter a relationship with God, God loves me. And so I can kind of do whatever I want. And like I'll, I'll praise God when I need to. But for most of the time, I'm just going to do whatever I want. And God, we can kind of view God as maybe a vibe or a feeling or like a moment or like some mystical, unknowable, random thing that is somewhere. And when I walk into the factory, like he's there and then he's, but, but God, we're in this spiritual relationship with God that is built on truth. Julianne and I, my wife is there. Give it up for Julianne. She's great. We have been dating for nearly 10 years since I was a freshman in high school. Yeah. 
And, uh, and we've been married almost four years. And we're in a relationship. And our relationship is great. We love each other. But our relationship also has rules, okay? One of them being, Julianne is not allowed to eat pizza in the bed. Because one day I came home from work, and I was very tired, and I got in the bed, and I laid down, and my sheets smelled like pizza. So I said, no pizza in the bed. When I lay on the couch, I'm not allowed to do this with my fingernails. It's a rule of our relationship. I, I kind of fidget around, and I do this. I'm not allowed to rub my fork in a specific way on the plate as I eat dinner. I wrote down more. Julianne is not allowed to give me chicken pot pies for dinner, okay? And I'm not allowed to take Julianne to McDonald's in the skate park for a date, okay? There's, there's rules to our relationship. Now, the rules that are in our relationship, the way that they have come about is because we have revealed the rules to one another. Allow me to explain. Julianne didn't just look at me when I was a freshman in high school and be like, you know what? When we get married, I'm probably not allowed to eat pizza in the bed. So I'll just, I'm just not. No, she did it. And then I told her, Julianne, come on. You can't eat pizza in the bed. It reeks. Like, it, it was revealed to one another. Now, when we enter into a relationship with God, we enter into a relationship, and relationships have rules. We can't just worship God however we want. God has preferences. God is a person. God has a way that he likes to be praised and he likes to be honored. God has a way that he has revealed to us the way that he prefers to be worshipped. Are you, are you following me? So we don't just do whatever we want to worship God. We do what God asked us to. Now sometimes it's like, I don't know why this honors God, but this is what he likes. And let me encourage you as I break down these, these, the way that, that we worship God... And, and I think it's going to answer a lot of questions for, for all of you who have been coming to church, and I'm sure you've asked questions about why we worship and why we do what we do. But in, in the Old Testament, the, the word praise is, the English word praise actually has several different original Hebrew words that were written uh, and just translated to our English word I'm totally going to botch the uh, pronunciation, but it is what it is. There is a word, uh, Hebrew word, tahillah, okay? Tahillah. That word, it translates English praise, but it is to sing. The reason why we sing is because the scriptures tell us to praise God with song. In the New Testament, Ephesians 5, it says this, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and, uh, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3 says the same thing, let the message of Jesus Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing 
singing to God with gratitude in our hearts. The reason why we come together and we sing is because God likes it. God loves to hear our voice sing to him. So when we come and we gather and we sing, we can confidently know that I don't know why my voice is bad, but God loves when I sing. In Psalm 22, it says that God inhabits the praises of his people. God inhabits the songs of his people. God loves to hear us sing. Now, the word hallel is another word used for praise. And this, this song is, or this word is like over the top worship. There's a story in the Old Testament. Uh, David brings the Ark of the Covenant back to the land of Israel and he just goes ballistic. He tears his clothes. He's dancing in the street. He's celebrating. His wife comes up to him and is like, what in the world are you doing? Like, this is, a, this is a relationship rule, okay? No naked dancing in the street, David, okay? That's not, and, and the, the word for praise there is this word hallel. Reason why we celebrate and, and we jump. And, and we dance and we celebrate God is because why? Well, that's what God likes. God likes for us to do that. We use instruments because of the word zamar. I'm so sorry, you Hebrew people. There's a story in the Old Testament. Uh, King Saul, he has a, it says that he has a tormenting spirit. He's having some emotional turmoil. And so he hires David to come and play music. And as the music is being played, the atmosphere in Saul is shifted. And that word is zamar. And it's this kind of uh, atmosphere-shifting praise that instruments have. Like in a, in a little bit when I ask Jolie to come back up and the piano starts playing, the atmosphere shifts. Why do we do that? Because God likes it. And so we have confidence that, that we are worshiping God in truth because that's what he's revealed to us. We, we don't need to doubt the way that we celebrate and worship God because that's what he's asked for. I, mean, I don't know why, but that's what he's asked for. Here's my favorite. There's two words. One is the word yada. Again, I'm sorry. The other one is the word toda. And both of them, they come from the Hebrew word hands. Okay, it's the word yad or whatever. Yada, yada, what it means is waving of the hands. Toda. Is, is your hands kind of like this in a posture of receiving in thanksgiving. So we worship God. You see people lift their hands? You see people hold their hands? Why do we do that? God loves our hands. God loves to look down from heaven and see our hands lifted and say, Lord, you can have my hands. And we hold them like this, Lord, I'm here to receive from you with thanksgiving the work that you are going to do. Lord, here I am. I, I'm open. I'm opening my spirit to you, and I'm going to worship you truly the way that you like me to worship. 
And we can have confidence when we gather together and we are singing songs and playing instruments and dancing and lifting our hands that that God is delighting in us. We worship in spirit to reveal ourselves more to God, to open ourselves more to God. And we worship in truth to, to do what God likes. God has revealed himself to us. And now we worship him the way that he desires for us to worship him. Worship team, you guys can come up here as I close. And the atmosphere is going to shift as the pads start going. We are, we are entering into this spiritual relationship with God. We are opening ourselves up and saying, Lord, you can have all of me. And and as we enter into this relationship, Lord, I'm going to start to worship you and honor you the way that you want me to. There it is. I'm going to worship you the way that you want me to. Lord, I'm not going to worship you however I want. I'm not going to just be in this relationship with you and I'm not going to think about you. I'm going to do whatever I want and, and I'm just going to, you're going to bless me and you're going to, you're going to, like, like God doesn't want me to run away. So, like, surely this relationship will last. Well, the relationship will grow as we do what God has told us to do. Jesus says, you are my disciples if you obey me. Our goal is surrender to God, not not so that we just, like, here, Lord, like, you can have me. And then we say, here, Lord, you can have me. I'm going to start doing what you've asked me to do. And one of, some of those things is as we gather corporately, we're going to praise God. We we do this thing with Sid now. We're like, praise God. He goes, praise God. We're going to praise God. We're going to lift our hands. We're going to sing. I'm not a good singer, but I'm going to sing. I'm going to dance. I'm going to celebrate. Because that's what God likes. Look at this verse in, in Psalm 19. It says this. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no word. And no sound is heard from them. The psalmist says, the creation is singing God's praise. Now, rocks don't have a voice. Trees don't have a very good singing voice. Like a, a, a sunset's not like, la, 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 la. <laughs> like, it says, it praises God with, how does creation praise God? Just being creation. Right? Creation praises God by being God's creation. Now, as we decide, I'm going to be a true worshiper. I'm going to surrender myself completely to God, and I'm going to do what he's asked me to do. As we do that, we become who we were created to be. As we praise God, we become the person that God has created us to be. If you're struggling with like identity issues, start worshiping God in spirit and in truth. If you're struggling with the fear of your future, start worshiping God in spirit and in truth. 
If you're struggling in relationships or temptations, or you're, you don't know what you're supposed to do or who you're supposed to, start worshiping God, fully surrendered, and being obedient to what he's asked you to do. Because as we do that, we become who we're supposed to be. I kind of skipped over most of the conversation with Jesus and this woman. It was super weird. You can read it when you get home. It goes like this. The conversation, she goes to this well. Jesus asks her for water. She says, what? I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. Why? This is weird. Why, would I, why am I going to get you water? And Jesus says, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for water. And the woman's like, but you have no pitcher. He's like, yeah, because the water that I have, if you, if you take a drink, it will spring up in you rivers of living water. And she says, oh my gosh, can I have some of that water? And Jesus says, yeah, go get your husband. She's like, uh, I don't have a husband. Jesus says, yeah, you said correctly, you don't have a husband. You've actually had five husbands, and the one that you're living with now is not your husband. And then she says, sir, I, I see that you're a prophet. I worship on this mountain. You worship on that mountain. Who's right? Jesus says, well, true worship happens in spirit and truth. This woman, she went to the well to satisfy a thirst that was physical when she actually had a thirst that was deeper than her physical thirst. And we see that because she was going relationship after relationship, marriage after marriage, trying to satisfy a thirst in her life that couldn't be filled with water and it couldn't be filled with relationships with people. It could only be filled with worshiping the true and living God. Some of us, we have all of these questions and all of these, these thirsts and all of these needs and, and we're going to well after well, person after person, trying to quench this thirst that can only be quenched when we worship God in spirit and truth. The, the story goes on, she leaves her bucket and goes back into the city. Now she goes back in the city. The Samaritans, they were like the outcasts uh, of the land of Israel. No one really liked them. She was uh, get, going to the well at an hour that no one would be there. She was kind of the outcast of the outcast. She runs back into the city and she says, I, I just met the Messiah. And people start placing their faith in Jesus. She was, she was an outcast. She had no idea who she was. And when she got her worship right everything else fell in line. Let me encourage you in this. If you are struggling with things, get your worship right and everything else will fall in line. Jesus' words, he says, seek first the kingdom of heaven and the rest will be added to you. When we gather here, you surrender yourself completely and you obey what God has asked us to do and everything else will fall in line. When you get your worship right, everything else falls in line.